Oh my god, that's a meme. S- spread my ashes over the over the minions ride. I mean, that's Showing it. Showing this love is real. That's it, isn't it? They call me Wacko <laughs> Will, the ghost of the minions ride. Well, hello everybody. I'm Arden Rose. And I'm Will Dobson. And you're listening to Crash on My which is our one-stop pit stop of the internet. Of all the interesting things that you would like to hear about. Ain't that right, Willie D? That is right. This week, we're talking about why we love slash want to crush things that are adorable in our very arms. We talk about crazy, spooky Disney ghosts. And we talk about how... Maybe the world doesn't need janitors, but we all need to be the janitors of the world. Nice. This week and more on Crash on a Couch. Woo woo. Well, hey guys, what's up? Hello. Crash on a Couch. Hello. Happy to have you back. Thanks for coming back to listen this fine week. Happy Tuesday. I hope you're having a good week so far. I know we're doing pretty okay, ain't we? Yes, we are. Yes, indeedy. This is one of the first episodes that we're doing long distance style, fully long distance style. I have Will up on FaceTime right now. We're using our technology to our advantage, and this is a good time. Oh, to live in the future. So hopefully... uh... Emma, our lovely producer, will uh, minimize <laughs> the long gaps in between the uh, the audio. Uh, so true. Um, today we have some fun stuff to talk about. I am mega jet lagged. I keep saying this week after week that I'm tired, but it's not just that I'm tired. It's just like every week something hits me on Monday, and that's usually when we record. And this week it's that I'm about to go back on set today. Whoop whoop. I'm going to go shoot three more seasons of Mr. Student Body President, so that's really cool. If you liked the first season, it's on Go90. It's delightful, but we're shooting three more seasons, and I am pumped. 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 She's pumped. Yeah. And I'm ready for Squilliam to get back so he can come do a set visit and come hang out with me. Yes. Yes. What have you been up to, Squilliam? I have been moving house a little bit more, buying new things for the house, for said house. What things have you been buying? Um, I have bought a desk, which is very important. Oh, when's that coming in? I'm Uh, excited about that. I think that's coming tomorrow. I'm not really sure. But we also got a sideboard. It's really nice, like, sideboard for the living room. So it's all all happening in Casa de Will. Casa de Will. Oh, my God. Ew. (laughs) That's awesome, though. I didn't know that you guys got that sideboard. We've been, like slowly building will's apartment and over time for the past like week and a half and there's just like certain things that are still missing like really want to get a kitchen table really want to get a few other tables we play a lot of board games so that's good to have um so i'm glad you're finally getting the sideboard yes exciting yes 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 whoop whoop are you still not completely sold on the hammock on the roof or are you like "Eh." you know we were in a, a furniture shop a couple of days ago and uh I saw the most beautiful hammock, but... Was it Conran's shop? Yes, it was. Conran's um, shop so expensive, though. Ugh. Yeah, it probably would have been like a million pounds, but um, <laughs> it just... I couldn't rationalize it because it's, like, raining, like, 85% of the year. Like, it's yeah. cloudy. So I would only be able to use it for, like, probably two months. 
Probably for like June, yeah. July, August. That would be my, my window, my hammock window. Yeah, your leisure window. But hey, it's been pretty nice recently. I mean, it's not like you would, it wouldn't go to waste right now. But the problem is that anytime it rains, you have to go put it inside. And like, I don't, ain't nobody got time to be worried about outside furniture. No, I don't want to mess around with that. I don't want to mess around with that. You know what I mean? And it's just going to fill with water and you're going to be like, blah, 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 hammock. Why did I spend so much money on this hammock? Like the idea in theory is so nice, but I, I think if you do get one, you should just get an Ikea one. Yes. You know what I mean? Because they don't do bad ones. Yeah. They do okay hammocks. Yeah, that's true. I don't think you could fork out for an expensive hammock unless you're like in Hawaii or something. But it, it <laughs> fork rains... out for an expensive hammock. Oh my God. But it like rains in Hawaii. So I like, I don't know where is the best climate to have a hammock? These are the questions I ask myself when I get to bed at night. I don't know. I mean, you know, I had a hammock. I had multiple hammocks growing up. I had those kind... You know, when we were in Italy, we were on vacation in Italy in August last year, I think? Yeah, yeah. Um, God, the years are all... They're all just blending together now. Um, But last year, we were laying on a hammock, and it was that kind of, like, twine hammock that has, like, the kind of lattice shape of rope. That hammock... Was a type of hammock that I had growing up. That's I had so that type of hammock. nice. That's so nice. Uh-huh. I had that type of hammock, but then I also had my mom. I love how we're talking for like ten minutes about hammocks, but this is important stuff, guys. Obviously, um, my mom loved Pottery Barn so much, and for whatever reason, I think when we were younger, there suddenly became this wave of like Americana hammocks, like drinking a beer and hanging out in your backyard in a hammock. Like there's like this revival of like hammock culture, I'll call it. And my mom totally caught the bug and got like a beautiful hammock. Like it was it was red and white striped and it was so pretty and it kind of faded in the sun. Mm. And it was like it would get really warm during the day too. So like I specifically remember I would go out like probably five or six, like right when it would start getting a little bit dark. Because then it, the, the sun wouldn't be so hot. But it would get a little bit cool, a little bit chilly, a little breeze. But the hammock would be warm. <sighs> and it was like, oh my god. I just remember this. Now you've sparked my memory of like loving There hammocks. you go. People underestimate yeah. a good hammock. Seriously. Hammocks are coming. my favorite things. Hammocks are becoming back in fashion. And we're at the yeah. forefront of it. Yeah. You, you really... Now I kind of want you to get a hammock. But only the kind that I, like, I really want, which, you know, the problem is I don't like the hammocks that kind of, like, fold up in themselves and make, like, a banana Oh, no, 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 no. Uh Uh-uh. I want them to be, like, full with, like, full length to them and girth. I don't want them... Girth. (laughs) Me describing (laughs) describing a hammock with girth. But I I want it to have some width. I don't want to just, like, lay in, like, a, like, I feel like there's a difference between a hammock and, like, a... Like one of those Eno hammock tent things where you kind of like go in the woods and like go camping. Oh, no. I want that. I'm talking about like a full-on luxury, thick rope, wide as hell hammock. Hammock. I want to be able to spread out in it. Yes. Spread me like butter on that hammock. Oh, okay. That's what I want. (laughs) Okay, wow. Uh, Yes. Um, okay, so I'm trying to figure out a way to segue into our next segment, but I don't think we can segue anything with hammocks. Like, I don't think there's a way that we can do that. There's always a way to segue from hammocks to anything. The thing, the great <laughs> thing about hammocks is that there is a segue to everything with hammocks. They're like the most general topic. So, well, really? what's the topic? I'll work out a way to segue into it. 
Okay, well, here's the thing. We've got our cute article, we've got our haunted article, and our janitorial article. What do you think fits the most with hammocks? Let's go Let's go haunting. Let's go the haunting okay. one. This is like a Jeopardy thing. Like, what is the haunting? Okay, um, so... Give it a go. I want to hear you try to do this. Okay, so, <laughs> speaking of hammocks, where do you get a look at our next segment... Wait, let me try again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, wait. Um, speaking of things that swing in an eerie way, this segues on to our next segment, which is about specifically eerie things. And that is... Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I think you got it. I think I nailed I it. it. I think I nailed it. I Shut up. So. You're ruining it. You're ruining it. You're ruining it. <laughs> You're ruining it. And that brings us to... And that brings us to... Conspiracy Camp. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. I think you nailed it. I think that was one of the best segues I've ever heard on this show. I think our our listeners can attest to that, don't you think? definitely convincing. Yep. Um, So, we, we... Did we do a Conspiracy Camp last week? I think we skipped last week. We didn't do a Conspiracy Camp last week. Um, was Nazi Bunkers last week? Us. Was Nazi Bunkers last week? Us and our topics. Yeah, us and our amazing, amazingly accurate podcast. I, I think um, we did that one about the uh, airport in Colorado. Yeah. Which had, yeah. had weird things happening. So, since we wanted to talk more about conspiracy theories, I kind of assumed that we could do... Sort of a more fun one, maybe one that is a bit more kid-friendly and less about Nazi bunkers and more about Disneyland! Yeah, but you say Disneyland, and the article I'm about to to talk to you about is anything but kid-friendly, honey. What? There are some deaths (laughs) that have happened at Disney which will mess you up. Are you serious? Don't ruin it for me. And let's just say... There are ghosts haunting the Disney park. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, have I piqued your interest? Have I piqued you? Have you have the article that we're talking about? By the way, is on uh, wonderwisdom.com, and um, I only read the first one, which is about a lamp that won't stop lighting itself. Yeah, but I haven't read I haven't read anything else. If that doesn't turn you onto this subject, I don't know what. So does. initially, that's I mean that's how they get you with these articles. They tell you one right. one slightly sweet thing, and you're like, oh great, I can't wait to read the rest of it. And now we're down to like people being like dismantled by a ride. Wait, what? Yeah, what ride dismantled someone? Okay, let me let me preempt this by giving, giving me some giving context. me a new reason to hate roller coasters. I've never liked roller coasters. Okay. But man, oh man, you're about to give me more reason to not like them. Let me let me give you some context. Um, one second. Okay, so Disneyland, the place we know and love. Uh, this is the one in Anaheim we're going to be talking about, which is the original one, which is <gasps> our close one. Yes, our one. Yes, not the one in Florida. No. but Florida's the but Florida's always more fucked up. Our Can one. we not? And uh, oh, so. Disneyland in Anaheim opened up in 1955, July 17th, 1955. Cool. And since then, over 600 million people have walked through the gates. That's insane. So that's... That's like... Yeah. That, that's insane to me because that means that... So once they hit a billion, which is not that far off, 
they're getting close, and it, it only grows exponentially. Like it's only been going up every year. Yeah. So, but once they hit a billion, like a large percentage of the population will have visited Disneyland at least once. Isn't that insane? That's insane. Of the population of the world, that many people have come to to Anaheim Disneyland. Not even the Florida one. I, That's crazy. I think, that just blew my mind. I think everybody should do Disneyland at some time in their life. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's it's like, I can't wait for you to get back next week because I really want to go again. Yeah, we're going to hit up Disney, babe. Oh, that's going to be so fun. Oh, I'm so excited for you to get back. Um, Aww. So. But um, anyway, sorry. I got really sentimental there for a second. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, that's crazy to me. I love how we, I completely diverted from the horrors of Disneyland. It was just like, wow, it's amazing how many people go. So, But but with how many people go, I'm sure there are occasionally accidents. Ah, yes. Um, so Disneyland. Okay, so 600 million people have gone through it. And with that, people have claimed that there are ghosts in the park. Mm. Who are the ghosts? So there are a number of different ghosts um, on different rides in different areas of the park. And all of them kind of have a backstory. So the, the first one, which isn't really that scary because it's just, I don't know, it's kind of, kind of reassuring in a little way. Um, <laughs> which is that in the Main Street fire station, Main Street is the popular street in Disneyland, which uh, has all the shops and it leads up to the amazing castle in Disneyland. Whoop, whoop. So, Main Street. There's a fire station on Main Street. And I believe Walt Disney used to live there or like was staying there part-time while the um, park was being built. Basically, he had this like <laughs> office in the fire station which had this like cool little lamp which he would sit under and do work and read and do whatever uh, whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. whatever you're doing under a lamp under lamp light under lamp light exactly so he was under this lamp and was doing his work and when he passed away um a woman came up to the uh, office and tried to turn off the lamp because it was still on and uh, she went back downstairs having turned it off and then she looked back up at the window and the light was still on. So she went back up, turned it off, and went back downstairs. And now she, she was leaving again. The light turned itself back on again. And then she, mm. and then she went up a third time to his, to his office and stood there, turned it off, stood there, and waited. And then the light just turned itself back on. So apparently, since then, the light hasn't been turned off and they've kept it on to mark Walt Disney's presence in the park. WD is still there. WD has never left the park. So that's kind of kind of weird. Fascinating. That is very fascinating. I mean, my biggest thing is like, I'd be like, okay, well then bring 10 more people up there and like everyone just needs to fight this lamp. Like, obviously we need to like exercise this lamp. Yeah. Like, we need to fight this. The lamp, lamp is terrifying. here. We need to get a priest in here. This lamp has a will of its own. Are we going to have to give, like, sentience to this lamp? Are we going to have to say it's, like, uh, it has sentience? Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, this is when we start trying to figure out if we can communicate with the lamp. That 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 whole scenario is more interesting to me than leaving the lamp on forever. Yes. Well, it's it's interesting, <laughs> though, because with, with the lamp comes uh, other reports, which are footsteps and knocking which are apparently coming from the room. So people downstairs can hear things coming upstairs from within the office. Oh, really? So it looks like they need to exercise the room rather than the damn lamp. 
Or maybe Disneyland as a whole. They gotta get a bunch of priests to march through there and do some major priesty work stuff. Yeah. I don't know. So going up and down Main Street. So that's kind of that was the first kind of ghost story I read from Disney. And that was kinda of like, oh, that's kind of that's kind of a cool fact. Um mm. And I, as I was scrolling down through the article, I was reading about all the other suspicious ghosts around the park. And all of them are from, like, really horrific accidents that have happened within the park. What kind of accidents? Are people, like, dying left and right? We don't even know about So, it. apparently, in 1966, a 19-year-old boy tried to sneak into Disneyland for a grad night. Um, which is every June, Disneyland is open overnight for high school graduates. Anyway... Uh, Thomas Cleveland snuck over a perimeter fence and onto the monorail track. And I think you can see where this is going. That sounds like it's your own damn fault, buddy. Yeah, so the monorail hit him. Uh, he died. And people to this day claim that they can still see, at some times in the night, a 19-year-old running down the monorail track. Fascinating. How often are you looking down the barrel of the monorail at night? I feel like I never have been to Disneyland at night. Have you ever been to Disneyland at night? You know, I think I've been there, like, when we've been about to leave and that's been getting to darkness. Like, it's been going to night. Because mm. you usually go for, like, the okay. morning and then you leave it in the evening, right? But you're never, yeah, you're never like, yeah. you're never there for, like, the whole evening, are you? No. Why would you ever go there? The only thing that I could possibly think is that during Halloween or, like, certain times they do stuff where you can stay late at night. Yeah. But, like, I don't know why... Other than those, like, specific times of year, like, how often are you going to see this guy on the monorail? Like, he's he's such a selective ghost. He's really difficult to spot, which I'm kind of interested in. He's like a rare Pokemon ghost. So, the other ghost, there's two more ghosts I'm going to be telling you about. Okay, so the next, okay. the next ghost is uh, one which is reported to have been seen a few times, and she's been called Disco Debbie. Who, who the hell is Disco Debbie? So, uh, within Space Mountain, guests and cast members have reported seeing her. And Debbie is a glowing green ghost inside the ride, inside Space Mountain. What? Who is reported to be a cast member who died of an aneurysm behind the Space Mountain building. What? Yeah. I don't know about that. I feel like they could easily put like a little character in there, like a glowing green alien, and be like, well, it's Debbie! It's, <laughs> it's Debbie! Debbie! Oh, god damn it, it's Debbie, not again, Debbie! You died of an aneurysm, why are you here? So, this is the last one as well, and this is when it kind of like, I don't know, it kind of like casts some doubt. On this whole thing. Oh, you were believing this? This all up to this point? I would I would like to believe it, yes. <laughs> um, so, the last place, and apparently the most haunted place, you can guess it. It's the Haunted <gasps> Mansion. What? Oh, I was going to say Tower of Terror. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought Tower of Terror was going to be, would be pretty fin. That would be pretty fitting as well, though. Well, yeah, because it also got taken down recently, so it'd be like, the mystery dies with the... That's true. With the Tower of Terror. That's true. So... But anyway, sorry, Haunted Mansion. Why is the Haunted Mansion haunted? So, <laughs> well, like, and this is, you know, like, of all the places that could be haunted in the park, it's it's not going to be the Haunted Mansion, is it? Like... It's a bit on the nose, it's, isn't it's it? A it's a bit on bit, the nose. Yeah. A little bit too literal, I'm going to um, say right now. So... One of the stories is is that um, one of the sound designers in the seance room within the Haunted Mansion 
had heard music coming from behind a wall. He thought it was a radio, but there was never any talking or commercials, just music. He kept hearing the music for days, and finally he decided to put a speaker near the spot where the music was coming from it to mask it. And then this this goes into a, a different bit of the article, but apparently this guy mm-hmm. who's writing the article said that when he had worked at Disneyland, he had heard a rumor that the spell book in the seance circle was a real spell book, and that Madame Leota was reciting a spell from that book. What the hell? What the actual hell? Yeah. Okay, um, mm, that one, unra- yeah, you're right, that one unraveled it a little bit for me. Yeah. I don't know about that. And then... I'm just, I'm just like, no, it's not a real spell book. But apparently there were like, <laughs> there are several ghosts in the Haunted Mansion. And there's also one, apparently there's a, a story about a woman who came to the Haunted Mansion to sprinkle her young son's ashes in the rise since his dying wish to be, was to be one of the Haunted Mansion's ghosts, which is really sweet when you think that about it. Sweet and also equally parts very, very sad. Um, so very, very sad. she was told she couldn't spread the ashes there, but apparently she snuck back and scattered the, uh, the ashes anyway. And after well, that... Yeah, I, d- I don't think that's like a... I don't think that's a very normal thing to do. Kind of a bit of a biohazard. I don't think most people want to be huffing yeah, their son's yeah. dead ashes. I mean, I agree. But um, yeah. uh. apparently after that, people reported to seeing a ghost of a small boy near the exit. What if that's actually the application process of being a ghost in the Haunted Mansion is that you just got to tell your family like, hey, spread me all up on that building. I really got to just do one good huff of me off onto the, the the cobblestones and I'll, I'll try and make my way there. And then he has this whole like rigorous, like grueling ghost training. And then he like shows up and he's like finally a haunted ghost the next day. I mean, it sounds... It sounds correct. Sounds like our next movie idea. If I die, will you spread my ashes all down the haunted mansion? Is that where you want to be spread? If I, I was about to say, if I kill you and burn you alive, what? Where do you want me to put your ashes? You're, you're gonna, then... you're gonna burn me alive. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no. If, if you if you die through weird circumstances, and I obviously kill myself as well later. But before that happens, uh, when I cremate you, where do you where do you want to be spread? So I'm going to be in the haunted mansion, and I'm going to have a name. I'm going to have a ghost name. They call me. It's a bit unoriginal. They're... Don't you want to be like what? You know what? Don't stick with the the well beaten path. I'm going to spread you around on like. I'm going to take you to Universal and spread you around on the Jaws ride or something like that. Like, I'm really going to take you somewhere weird. Honey, like, either way, if I'm an amusement ride and I'm the ghost of the amusement ride, that sounds fucking cool. Okay. <laughs> maybe you could... Sp- Even in death, we're lame. Maybe you could sprinkle me over It's a Small World. <gasps> I like that idea. Or the Minions ride. Oh, oh my god, that's a meme. Spread my ashes over the over the minions ride. I mean that's showing it. Showing this love is real. That's it, isn't it? They call me Wacko <laughs> Will, the ghost of the minions ride. One hundred percent am into this idea, and I will a hundred percent support you on that one. I'll put it in your will. Will. Oh, nice. Ooh, hey. Okay, well, we did that for a while. <laughs> we really talked about them ghosties, the Disney ghosties, um, which is very very fun. One thing that I will... This is me making an attempt at a segue. One thing that I find pretty baffling about Disneyland is that anywhere you go in Disneyland, it's never gross. Like, that's one thing that really blows my mind is that they can keep it so clean the entire time you're there when, like, the 
recesses and like oozing abscesses of society go to Disneyland. There, there are some gross, gross people. There are some gross people that go to Disneyland. There are also really cool people that go to Disneyland, but there are very, very gross people that go to Disneyland and just like leave their shit everywhere. And yet somehow there's like a mafia of cleaners that just make sure that no one ever sees the like dark underworld of Disneyland. Have you realized that? Yeah, yeah. It's like insane. I just don't even understand how it happens. But segue. Um, there are some schools that are trying to teach students about being their own janitors, and I thought we could talk about that. That's cute. Let's chat about that. Yeah. So it's time for our next segment. What the fuck, Japan? What the fuck, Japan? Hey, Japan. What what the fuck? So the reason why I really liked this article was because um. We, we've been talking a lot about climate change and, in general, keeping our planet alive because, uh, as you guys know, Donald Trump is hell-bent on destroying the world before he dies. A very timely death. Um, so he has pulled out of the Paris Accords, done that whole shizwiz. It's been a good time. Everyone's happy. I'm not ashamed to be American at all. And I'm not looking at visa options for the UK at all. Um, but either way... We have this, like, general feeling right now of hopelessness, and I feel like this article is making me feel just a little bit better about everything. Okay. Tell me about it. Lay it on just, me. Lay it just, on me. I, I will. So this is from NPR.org, which I love. I love NPR. So, uh, yes, I'm into this. Um, but the title of this article is, Without Janitors, Students Are in Charge of Keeping School Shipshape. Which, this feels like a metaphor for our planet right now. Like, we are the students that need to be keeping the school in ship shape. Alright? Um, so. Back in 2011, Newt Gingrich was running for president and he proposed a radical idea to help schools cut costs. Fire the janitors and pay students to do the cleaning. Needless to say, the idea to turn students into moonlighting janitors had about as much support as Gingrich's presidential campaign. Lol. But ask Kim DaCosta, and she'll say there isn't anything radical about asking students to clean up after themselves. At her school, there are no janitors. So this is a school that's actually in the U.S. This is in Phoenix that there is uh, a principal who basically gets her grades 6 through 12, so practically middle school, high school. And they meet in teams once or twice a week to clean assigned areas. So no one gets stuck, like, taking out the trash or cleaning the bathrooms. Um, and the responsibilities rotate, so no one is, like, doing anything gross for too long. Um, and she says it's something that she wants to give students a responsibility to feel like they need to clean up after themselves. And there's not, like, a person who's going to come by and, like, clean up your trash. But this is, like, a really novel idea in the U.S. In Japan, however, this is, like, a very normal way of doing things. There's, like, a very long tradition of students cleaning their own schools. There, and this is a quote, school is not just for learning from a book. Um, it's about learning how to become a member of society and taking responsibility for oneself. And to make cleaning easier, Japanese students put on slippers before entering the classroom to prevent dirt from being dragged into the room. So, like, they treat their classrooms and they treat their schools like their own home. That's I think that's cool. so... I think that's so fascinating, and it's so great, because it's a public space, obviously. But, like, to give the same amount of respect that you would for something that you personally own, I think is really special. I don't know. I wish, like, if if and when we have kids one day, I think that that would be such a cool 
like way of doing education and like giving them responsibilities that they can take on at such an early age. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I think um, thinking about my school and like <laughs> like kids in my school would just like track dirt for everywhere because people were like playing out and playing football and playing rugby and um, but it was a, it was a really clean place. But like it would be interesting if people actually did give a shit more because I remember yeah. when I was younger like. Yeah, not giving a shit. And that would have been, like, an important thing to learn, I think. Yeah. Well, also, it's like you... I grew up the same way where I just had an expectation that someone would come by and clean it. So, like, if there was something that got spilled on the ground or, like, if something, you know, like, at lunch I spilled chocolate milk or whatever, I would clean it up to my best ability. Like, I would just throw some napkins down. But, like, for the most part, I would leave, like, this giant puddle of thing because I know that someone's job is to clean it. If I knew that there was no one that was going to clean up clean up after me, I think I probably would have been a lot more inclined to be more respectful of my space. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I think that's really interesting. I know, though, that if this was me and that was my school, I would be so pissed that I had to clean every day. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Like, you know that would be the worst thing to have to do every day at school. So annoyed. Like, on top of the fact... So annoyed. On top of the fact that you actually have to do, like, schoolwork, you also have to clean the fucking school? <laughs> no. You cannot... Like, no. No. I would have been so pissed. So, I get why it's good, but I would have been really mad about it. I feel like you would have had an uproar about having to clean up the school. Well, yeah, because school is so stressful. Like, school is so stressful. There's so much stuff to worry about. And having to deal with that, and then also be really conscious of just making sure everything's clean would just be a nightmare. But Oh, yeah. Maybe. Oh, yeah. It would not be fun. And then the worst part would be that there would be some students that would really take it seriously and, like, really want to be clean like anally clean like really clean everything and then there would be other students that just mess everything up and like don't give a shit and they're like the turds of the school and that would drive me crazy the inequality of people who like would actually just throw their stuff on the ground versus me who would be like following like trailing behind these people trying to like pick up every milk carton they dropped like i i would be so annoyed that i had to like overcompensate there would be like a you know like there's a hall monitor there would be like a pers- like a clean monitor like a tidy yeah. monitor that would be like, like a trash the monitor the trash monitor that's even better that just just goes around and just is really anal and annoying you know what i was just thinking of i i i thought about the hall monitor and i realized we never had a hall monitor in, in my school what was that disney show where there was, it was about a hall monitor. It was an animated... It was like a cartoon. And... Do you know what I mean? Um, Does that ring a bell? I mean, there were there were hall monitors in like a bunch of different shows. No, it was about but, him. It was about him. And he was like kind of a detective. I just remember there was a hall monitor in That's So Raven that they were always trained to avoid. And then there was a hall monitor in... Fillmore. Fillmore. Well, can I see a picture of him? Oh my god! Yeah, I never watched that show. I never watched that show. But I do remember the promos for it. I do remember that the commercials coming out. The animation style. The animation style always threw me off a little bit. I just didn't love it. I was watching a lot of, like, Danny Phantom at the time, I think. Yeah, I I used to hate that with, like, cartoons, where the animation was a little bit off. Oh yeah, that's why I hated Jimmy Neutron. Because I hated the 3D animation. I hated it. Yeah, there was that. There was... I'm trying to think of, like... The weird ones. Like, I really like the Proud Family. 
I really like the animation oh, of the Proud Family. Oh, I love Proud Family. But then I ca- and Kim Possible. Yeah, and yeah, Kim Possible. Kim Possible was good. But there was a few where I remember watching it and being like, Ugh, I don't even want to watch this. <laughs> That's so true. Nowadays, I'm so picky with it. Like, we tried to watch, was it, what's that one that we tried to watch recently, that cartoon? It was like The Impossibles. Oh, yeah, that was so strange. Oh, I did not like that. What was that called? Was it called The American? No, no. no. It, it was it was really weird because it was like rigid. They're like rigid animated robotic characters. It felt really strange. Yeah, which I'm not into. Mm-mm. But um, anyways, what were we talking about? We were talking about keeping your school tidy. Right, and how we have a trash monitor. I'm a trash monitor in my everyday life. I'm just a trash monitor. But no, I like the idea of this. And I think overall, if everyone had a little bit more respect for their space and could like see beyond their like dumb little peewee brain, like see beyond just your apartment or just your neighborhood and look at the world as like a whole ecosystem, I think everyone would be a bit more likely to care. Sure. Because right now it's... Like, a lot of climate change stuff is, I mean, obviously I'm tying, I'm using a tentative tie between cleaning up your school and cleaning up the world, but I feel like so many people don't feel like they can, like, associate themselves with the issues in climate change just because it's not so immediate for them, but I don't know. I think that if you were raised in a way, like, a lot of the Japanese students are, where they, like, wear slippers before going into a classroom because they don't want dirt getting in the room, that's so, like, Japanese and wonderful, like, yeah. I wish everyone would do that yeah. all the time. Yeah. I want to wear slippers everywhere. Oh, man. I just, I respect that hardcore. I'm really, I think that's so cool. All right. Well, I know we think that um, Japanese kids masquerading as janitors is adorable. Um, but maybe we should go into the science of why we love cute things in our next segment. Go science! Go science! Go science! Go science! Go science. So... Will knows I am one of those people that will cry if something is too cute. Yes. Like, I will I will tear up. I won't, like, sob, but I will tear up. That happens quite often. If something is adorable, I will get, like, an emotional response to it. But why do I do that? You know what I mean? Why do we feel so strongly about cute things? Because it's not just like, oh, yeah, that's cute. That's great. It's like, I want to simultaneously become it absorb its power eat it crush it and also love it and i don't know where that aggressive like cute aggression comes from um but howstuffworks.com kind of gave us a little insight into Ooh, i am i am definitely intrigued because before we started dating uh was not aware of the cute scale per se i yeah. like i thought like obviously like puppies and kittens and obvious things were cute but now i feel like every time i see a dog or a cat i'm like oh my gosh it is adorable even if it's not adorable it's Uh always adorable now i've become Uh more conscious of it now which is definitely an interesting thing do you think i had something to do with it oh yeah completely because before i just kind of thought you know like a cat and a dog's just a cat and a dog and like they're cute obviously but it's not i'm now i'm now like hypersensitive about it is it because i've made you i always name all of them even if we don't know them i always like name and give like a backstory to what's going on in that pet's life yeah well you also like you also point out all the cats and dogs we see whereas before you know you kind of i would i would just kind of 
ignore them and not pay like enough attention to them if I just saw them in the street. But I always point out a vet every time we walk by one. It and then doesn't we'll go to matter Petter. where we are. Yeah, it does not matter where we are. We were in Dorset. They were in Dorset. We had driven outside of London and we were doing some, we were taking some cool pictures in Dirtledore. And there was a beautiful, it looked like a, maybe an Irish setter. Uh, some kind of beautiful, long-haired, curly-haired dog that had big, beautiful, watery eyes. And, like, the owner had, like, a big group of friends that they were all hanging around. And I was just staring, like, daggers into this dog. Like, I need to touch that dog. Like, I really need to touch that dog. So, like, while this family is taking, like, a big group picture, I, like, snuck up behind them and was like, is it okay if I pet your dog? And they were like, yeah, sure. Go for it. So, like, as they're taking these, like, pictures together, I'm just like creepily shuffling around with their dog in the background but it's you're terrifying i have this need i can't not touch a dog like or a cat for that matter i have to like participate i can't not experience a little bit of dog love during the day like if i get a chance to honey it's like it's like crack cocaine i can't just like walk away from it i love it so much but okay anyways i'm gonna try to figure out why i feel this way So this article uh, says that it all has to do with our survival in our species. We're drawn to cuteness because we're hardwired to notice human babies. Born so vulnerable that they must be lifted to breast or bottle, human babies trigger a strong protective response. Our fondness for cuteness makes us more liable to interact with, care for, and defend babies. It's a built-in life insurance policy that ensures they will survive and continue the human species. Okay, so we know babies are cute. I get that. But why Why is it that we love dogs, puppies, kitty cats, all these things that aren't babies, right? Because if that's yeah. the reason why things are cute, well, they explain that too, Will. Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat here. I know you're pretty excited. Don't worry. I'm going to let you know what's going on. Okay, the urge to love cute babies is so fervent that we fall for nearly anything with a measure of adorability. I want to know what the scale is for adorability. I need to see that scale. One end is like tapeworms, and the other end is like baby munchkin kittens. (laughs) Um, In fact, researchers have discovered that humans react equally well to babies of any species, whether a kitten or a fuzzy caterpillar, and that's because we're innately predisposed to recognize cute cues such as a disproportionately large round head. Other cues include big eyes situated just below the midline of the face, chubby cheeks, large forehead, round body, soft exterior. Collectively, these traits are known as baby schema. Seeing them will activate the mesocorticolimbic system, sorry, had to go through that, which gives a feeling of euphoria similar to that of opioid use. By activating glutamate receptors in the brain that trigger an anticipatory sense of reward and enjoyment, we are compelled to seek more of the cute things we encounter, whether that means holding, cuddling, or cooing over them. So there we go. That's why we love cute stuff so much. Like, it's an addictive property. That's so cute. It's, it's, literally, it's adorable. It's so cute. So that's why, like, even things that shouldn't necessarily be cute, like, sometimes I'll look at, like, an inanimate object, like my llama pillow, and I'll be like, oh, it's so cute. It's like round body, soft exterior, chubby cheeks, large forehead. Oh, it fits the baby schema. It's just in- also interesting because that goes into the science of why, you know, like you hear about dogs being able to help stuff like depression and mental illness and stuff. 
so true. They boost your they boost your mood, don't they? They change your mood. That's so interesting. I wasn't even connecting those two things, but yeah, that makes so much sense. And on the other side of things, there this this clearly shows why there is reason why women especially love cute animals so much. It's because we've got this innate need to nurture and like love babies. So obviously we're gonna love every other baby. Which is crazy to think cute. about. How cute is that? So that's why we love maybe that means I'm gonna be a really good mom if I love like everything cute. Maybe. Yeah, or, or a psycho. Or a psycho who tries to crush her baby because it's so cute. <laughs> um, but it's funny that you I feel like since we started dating you you pick up on cute stuff that just, just as much as I do because like I'll send you stuff but you send me so many videos of cute dogs and cats oh my gosh how cute was that girl that was crying and then the cat was trying to like oh like, my god we didn't even get to talk about that yesterday that or two days so ago cute. Will sent me a video of a little girl who was crying and her cat came up and was like trying to like move her chin up and trying to kiss her on the mouth and trying to like comfort her and it made me want to cry i loved it so much i watched it like three times <laughs> i loved it so much because that's the power of animals they like can sense when you're upset it makes me so happy i want a cat i want a cat so badly um but yeah no that was like the cutest video of all time one of us should like tweet it out or something so that anyone listening to the podcast can check it out. But it was on Reddit. It was like top of r slash aw. And it was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. And that was called a Russian blue, by the way. That species of cat. Yeah, I saw your article you sent me about that. Oh, okay. We'll get a Russian blue then. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll get a Russian blue munchkin Scottish fault cat. <gasps> oh. <gasps> oh my god. I would, I would die. I would die. I would combust. Oh my god, I would literally just explode into a million pieces. Oh my god, I love it so much. Um, but yeah, so that is that is why we love cute things so much. If you were wondering what the deal is, I mean, I probably could have surmised that it was something to do with breeding and birthing and babies. But I think it's fascinating that other, like, dogs and cats and kind of, like, symbiotic animal relationships that we have have also started using this evolutionary thing. Like, all of their kids are cute enough for us to love them, too. Which is interesting. I wonder if that's also something. Like, a a lot of the domesticated animals that we have been around with for centuries, I wonder if they've started kind of evolving to be cuter at birth, too, so that we take care of them. Very cute. That's adorable. That is, I want to be manipulated so hard by the by the animal population. <laughs> I want the entire animal animal kingdom to manipulate me with cuteness. I will one hundred percent be down for that. <laughs> like I've looked at spiders, and spiders terrify me. I've looked at spiders and been like, "Oh, cute!" <laughs> like I I can find anything cute. Spiders Absolutely. are terrifying. Please do not try and get a cute spider. <laughs> Just yeah, sorry. I just, I just, I had to pause because I was so repulsed by the idea of spiders being cute. <laughs> I'll spiders send you some pictures. No are worries. Horrible. They're disgusting. They are terrifying. Uh, my roommate yesterday, uh, Aaron, he has a weird thing with moths. Like, oh he yeah. Just hates moths. He hates them. So we were playing Mario Kart as you do, and uh, a moth just fluttered into the room. And he jumped out of his chair and squealed, <laughs> ran out, Aaron. and then we had to get this like fucking moth out of this room. 
Aaron, come on. I know, I know. He made me go he made me go in his bathroom before I left. He made me go in his bathroom and pick up a moth off the floor and put it outside. He like came into our room and was like, Hey, can you help me with something? And I was like, Yeah, sure. <laughs> I just don't understand being so scared of like butterflies or moths, but they're a real fear, so I get it. They're but- they're fine. They're fine. Spiders they're terrifying. Spiders, different story. I don't believe they that They move shit. so quickly, and they move in a, such an unhuman way. I hate them. I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, also, I moved, so I was in the bathroom, like, two days ago when I first got back from London, and I was moving a Lush box that had been just, like, in the corner of the bathroom for ages, and I just, like, moved it, and a big-ass spider crawled out from under it. <laughs> but I was looking at it, and I was a little bit out of it because I had just gotten off a plane, so I wasn't, like, really paying attention, but I immediately just squished it. But... <laughs> As I was squishing it, I was like, wait a second, that was, it was black, and it had kind of a round body. I was like, was that a black widow? No. Like, did I just, like, crush a black widow? No. And I looked in, I looked under my slipper, and I couldn't find the hourglass, but I couldn't see anything because the spider was so squished. So I'm, like, really hoping that it wasn't a black widow. Don't tell me that. Like, I'm really hoping it wasn't a black widow. Don't, and then, don't tell me that. And then last night I had a dream that there was a crunchy ass tarantula in my bed. <laughs> like crunchy. Like each of its segments were like crunchy. You know what I mean? Like if you crushed it, it would like, like it would crunch. No, black widow spiders are like usually. They, they're, I, I, I have seen them before in Arkansas, but they're usually in like sheds and stuff. Like I, I've never seen one in a house before. So that's. That's kind of where I was like, maybe not. But I also hadn't been there in ages. So I was like, maybe because no one's been here. They're like, got one got in and just kind of like hung out in the corner. I didn't see anything else. I haven't seen a single spider since I've been here. But in general, I do not like spiders. And I don't like the idea of them running around in my apartment at all. Yes. No. No. Let's stop talking about it because it makes me so upset. <laughs> okay, okay. We won't talk about it anymore. And actually, on that note, I think we can wrap this episode up. Yes. Thank you guys for listening, as always. And uh, hopefully next time you'll be listening to us, me and Adam will be doing it together again, which will be cute. Yeah, um, that'll be so cute. It'll be cute because we're talking about all things cute. Um, yes. Ooh, let's but- do an episode all about cute stuff next week and like not spiders at all okay yeah but if you guys have any suggestions about stories things you would like for us to talk about please uh shoot them over to us yeah slide into our dms uh shoot us over a tweet or um email us at crashmycouchshow at gmail.com you can also send us a, a voicemail at our inbox and we will try to get to it. And all of that would be so great because we love hearing from you guys. And we want to do another Hey, We All Feel Weird Sometimes segment. I think we should do one next week. Mm. So if you guys have any questions, anything you'd like us to discuss, please send in your questions and we'll try to get to them next week. Um, other than that, thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye. Crash on My Couch would not be Crash on My Couch without the help of these wonderful people. Mm-hmm. A special thanks to executive producer Tim Street, my manager Byron Ashley, producer Emma Kikuchi, and our editor Jason Perrier, and for production assistance from Alan Ortega. Thank you, guys. 